On this week's episode of Smarter Building Materials Marketing, Beth and I interview Ben Uita, who is an online influencer, author, content producer for building materials companies. He shares some great insights on the right ways and the wrong ways to work with influencers if you're a building materials company. This episode is awesome, and I am so excited for him to share some firsthand insights about what he's done for other manufacturers and what you can be doing to work with influencers to build your brand and build your audience in a way that actually drives leads and sales. So with that, let's get into the podcast. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing. I am Zach Williams alongside my awesome co-host, Beth Popnikoloff, and we have an awesome guest for you today. We have Ben Uita, who is the founder of Homemade Modern, which is a DIY and home furnishings and website. He's an architect, author, and designer as well. Isn't that right, Ben? Yeah, I've done quite a few things. Started as an academic teaching architecture at Cornell with an emphasis on sustainable design. That led into an architectural practice with a Zero Energy Design, which is the firm I co-founded. And then from there, it was sort of getting involved with the various things that were going on online with uh, some tech startups and now with uh, Homemade Modern. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on the show, Ben. But I think what drew us to connect with you is because your background is in architecture, you're a designer. But really where there's a lot of opportunity for building materials companies is the fact that you also are, quote unquote, like an influencer online as well. Like you do a lot of work with building materials companies and you're laughing at me because uh, that, that term means literally nothing. But that's what we want to talk about today is like, what does influencer marketing mean to building materials and what's the right way and wrong way to do it? I'm laughing because I just recently saw the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix, which doesn't exactly portray influencers in the right light. You know, one of the reasons why I was excited to do this is building material selection and these kind of things is really important. It is regionally specific. It involves localized expertise. It affects budgets in a major way. It requires expertise on the installation. And something that can be as frivolous as influencer marketing can be very problematic if it's not done correctly with something where we want these results to last for decades. Right. So sort of setting that as the premise. Now, the reason we don't really use the term influencer too much is because I actually think it's the least valuable part of what we do. When people think of influencers, they often think that they're paying them to buy their audience's time. And that's that's done with the marketing that isn't very clever, because if you really think about it, there's so many other ways to buy audience. You could boost a post on Facebook and probably get it for a lot cheaper with a less hassle than dealing with a person that's really good at building up an audience for themselves. You can buy AdWords on Google and be really effective at regional targeting and all sorts of things. So part of the reason why we don't ever really focus on that term too much, even though that is probably what most people would categorize me as, is that the audience that we've built, we think is one of the least valuable things that we've done. So the way we look at what we do is the audience is just focus group testing to prove that we're really good at producing content that people like. And it's that content publishing that's the really valuable part. right? So let's say I do a post on Instagram and I say like, hey, use this insulation. It's great. Right? <laughs> sure, some people will do it. But how many, even of the 100,000 people that will see it on Instagram, 
how many of those people are about to build a house? A very small amount. How many of those are, even if they are building a house, are actually thinking about at that moment what type of insulation and are going to write it down and remember? So there isn't a lot of value in me just sort of influencing on the platform. What would be valuable would be if I use my architectural skill set and I produced a house plan set or some sort of design and I had a whole downloadable PDF of recommended products that included the insulation, HVAC systems and all these things with a reason why I picked those ones. So it's not just because I said so and because I'm getting paid, but it actually says, oh, in this climate, I would go with this R value. In a, you know, in a cold climate like Boston, where I am right now, I might recommend, you know, much more like R30 to R40 for the walls. In a climate like Santa Barbara, which is where I grew up, frankly, the differential of the insulation isn't going to make as big of a difference because the outside temperature is only going to be about five to 10 degrees off of the desired interior temperature. So when you provide that information and expertise, right next to the product decisions and promotions, that is what's actually going to be much more impactful and useful than me just sort of doing an Instagram story, holding up a piece of insulation and telling people to buy it. The other reason why that kind of publishing is really important is that it's searchable. So people can find it when they're actually about to make the decision. So what I always tell my brand is like, Look at my audience numbers to know that I'm good at consistently getting people's attention without paying them to bring their attention to me. So that means I am good at organic reach. But if you're going to invest in me and we're going to create a partnership, let's figure out how to actually create content that'll be evergreen, that'll be useful, that'll be instructive and informative, particularly if it's around these more technical, higher ticket items like building systems, insulation packages, sheathing, roofing, HVAC systems, appliances, etc. I think you're bringing up something really important, Ben, because in marketing, there's a lot of people talking about whether or not influencer marketing is sustainable, has it hit saturation, And what you're really hitting on is that it's not so much about the influencer and the short-term posts that you get. You'll see a spike in your following. You'll see a spike in your website traffic, but is it really going to bring in sales and give you long-term results? So what you're talking about is making sure that the quality of the content really aligns with the focus and the product offering of the building materials company, not just being kind of bought over by how huge someone's following is. That can be fleeting for a number of different reasons. Can you talk a little bit more about what a good versus bad relationship with an influencer would look like, how building materials companies should work on vetting influencers that goes beyond just what their following is? Yeah, I can give you a few examples that are personal that I've sort of done where I think one of my most effective relationships with a sponsor is with QuickCrete. They're a pretty big concrete company. And we started working with them about five years ago. And we were going to focus on YouTube. And our pitch to them was, and we didn't have a big audience at that time. Like our audience was, I think when we started working with them, was only about like 30 or 40,000 subscribers on YouTube. So it wasn't even a tenth of what it's at now. And our pitch to them was like, look, we don't have a big audience. We like working with your materials. We like concrete as a DIY material. And our approach was saying, you got to be really patient with us because our goal is that we're going to win DIY concrete for you in video search. And it's going to take a couple years 
but we're going to do it. And we're going to set up a very cost-effective sort of program to do that. So we only charged them about $20,000 a year to create about 10 videos every year, which is like well below what our rate normally would be for video production. But they also said on, on the flip side, we'll charge very little, but you have to trust our creative vision. So they're very hands-off in the creative process. And what we did is if you go into YouTube and you search DIY concrete and look at like the top 20 results, we're probably like about 25 to 50% depending on your search history. And what we did is from our standpoint, we were looking at it and being like, okay, we're just getting started in a DIY space. Woodworking is the most popular term. Well, we don't have a big enough audience to dominate the most popular search terms. So we were what I call the sort of vegan restaurant strategy. Vegan food isn't as popular, but it's highly specific and the people that want it only want that. So you went long tail on that. Yeah. So we are saying like in the first two years of publishing, we're not going to win DIY woodworking, but we could win DIY concrete. And that's really valuable to this small group of concrete companies. So now we dominate DIY concrete search terms on Pinterest, on YouTube, and have built this really long-term relationship with uh, QuickCrete, where every year we just renew the exact same deal. They give us creative freedom, which just lets us move faster and really keep our prices low. We've never raised our prices on them. They're fantastic to work with. Sometimes they'll even put ad spend to kind of boost the performance of some of the videos if they see it. They'll bring us out to trade shows now to do demos and all sorts of things. And every year we sort of still build around the same thing, which is dominating that search term. And it really helped them move from considered a construction product to having this whole new kind of DIY market. And they'll bring up some terms, they'll do their analytics and say, hey, can you help us with countertops? Okay, we'll do three countertop projects over the next two years. And we'll start to slowly build up on that search thing too. So that's an example of like a great relationship where there's a very specific goal that's not about just getting a lot of views off of one-off things. On the flip side, probably if I open my email inbox, I'll see a lot of offers for like one-off deals. And the efficient ones are from direct-to-consumer companies because they have coupon codes and all this stuff. And they're really good at it because they're in complete control, right? There's no retailer in the middle. So those are pretty effective, but it's very transactional. If I do a project with Squarespace or you know ButcherBox or something like that or Blue Apron, I know what I'm doing. The audience kind of knows what these companies are because they're saturated. There's a clear way to see if it's working for them, and that's nice. But for companies that have a sort of retailer in the middle, it's much harder to track all these things. And so if I work with like a sort of a, a typical company that goes through retail, the ones that don't do it effective are the ones that are like, they overpay and they get charged more, If they, especially if they have creative ideas that are not going to be good for my sort of organic numbers. They get highly specific. They have product vanity, which is one of the biggest mistakes people make. If, for example, if you work with a company that makes like a, a non-interesting product, like a garbage disposal, right? So I, I recently worked with Moen on a garbage disposal thing. No one wakes up in the morning or opens up their internet or Pinterest to be like, you know what I want to see? I want to see a beautiful picture or video of a garbage disposal rotating, well lit, <laughs> tastefully, tastefully shot, sleek, modern design. Like, no. But you know what they would like to see? is like crazy stuff going into the garbage disposal. Absolutely. So so interested in that. Right. So when I worked with them, we were sort of going through this idea. And it takes a lot because people that sort of rep these products, they're their babies. 
And they really want to show you their baby pictures of like, look at this beautiful garbage disposal. And it is like, as far as garbage disposals go, it's pretty cool looking. Like it's all sleek. It's like like a a cleaner sort of a casing. It looks more like something you'd see at the Apple store, but it's still not interesting by itself. So the, the challenge was to help people sort of say, okay, we know you have product vanity, but that's not what's, no one else cares about your kids, let alone your garbage disposal. So let's build around the idea of what's actually interesting. And what's interesting is putting a three-pound gummy worm down a garbage disposal on a live feed and then asking the audience what they want to see go into next and just shoving random things down this garbage disposal. So the things go wrong when people sort of insist on product vanity. And then that's what we see as bad influencer marketing is when you're standing in front of a product that's totally incongruous with the rest of your feed because they insist on having their product front and center in every image. I work with so many brands where they're just like, my audience wants to see me design cool stuff and then share the design ideas, the building plans, the technical documents, and the justification for the things that I chose with them. That's why they're watching my content is to get ideas and to get instruction. So if a product company sort of says, let's interrupt that flow, because we want to show you what our thing looks like, and we want you to crop out everything else and it just be about this thing, one, it won't just be not as effective as it could be, it'll actually build resentment of like this annoying thing that's shoved in people's face when they're used to coming to that stream or feed from that. So the ineffective sort of marketing is, is I think, largely attributed to what I like to call product vanity. And a lot of influencers sort of enable that because we lose clients sometimes if we say no to that. Interesting. And it's much easier just to say yes, take the hit, deal with the negative comments, grab the money and move on. But the reason why we don't like to do it isn't from some sort of altruistic or you know noble nature. It's simply because we don't like doing sales. And when you do deals like that, they tend to be one-off. Our big clients, we work with year over year. So Ryobi, we've worked with for five years. Home Depot, we've worked with over five years. Quickrete, we've worked with over five years. And every year we just re-up. And it's just like, and it makes it so much easier. It lets me focus my time in the design studio and building stuff and experimenting and not answering more emails or trying to convince people to hire us. That's interesting. You know, what I think is really compelling, Ben, about what you're describing here is that there's an easy money grab for you as somebody that's in this space. But... What you're trying to do is you're trying to give people what they're looking for. Like people are not online watching your videos to be sold a product. They're there to be entertained. They're there to be educated and informed. And like I'm looking at your YouTube and this is interesting. Like you're saying like we don't care a ton about the views or the numbers and things like that. But you've got videos on here that are like you've got five and a half million views on like your top video. And you've got over a million subscribers on YouTube. And then on Instagram, you've got almost 150,000 followers. But what you're saying is that it's about the quality of the content. And I think for building materials companies, this is, I think, like the most crucial thing because you're not selling cosmetics or clothing. Like you're selling something that might take, you know, depending upon the project, if it's a home project or DIY, obviously that's different. But if it's actual home project, it could take six to 18 months before you get the sale. It's not an instant e-commerce thing. Right. And with building products in particular, you have to be convincing often to two different parties, both to the consumer and to the contractor, right? And you often have to win them over in different ways. So we are doing a project right now with the Western Red Cedar Association. And 
they wanted me to do some deck projects. So as a designer, I don't want to do a deck that just looks like any other deck. I decided, hmm. And I was looking at their catalog of things, and they have six by six cedar posts. So these big, solid, you know, five and a half inches by five and a half inches by 12 foot long. And they're not cheap. They're pretty expensive. And I was like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool is to do a deck that's kind of floating on top of my concrete patio that's made out of these like solid six by sixes. Now, any contractor would tell you that's incredibly wasteful and things like that. But on the flip side, because there isn't any other framing, I can do this as one person, as a one person DIY thing. So I don't need to have a second person helping me to get things level and stuff like that. I can just screw one thing to the next and have it all just floating on top of the concrete. So it actually, if you sort of discount the fact that you need to hire two people to do it and can do it yourself, it makes up for that extra sort of material cost and you get this thing that's really aesthetically nice. So when I first mentioned it to my contractor friends, they're like, that's wasteful. When I show what it looks like, they sort of get it. And then when they see, oh, wait, one person could do this by themselves, that actually does make sense because you're investing in better, thicker, more substantial materials, making up the cost difference by putting in your own labor. So that is like the the way you sort of do it is you show the visually appealing thing that looks a little bit different, but you explain the justification and how you're adding value. You're not just making something look different for the sake of looking different. And that sort of is what we think is how you sort of win both the construction experts and the sort of consumers at the same time. It's with the same content, but different sort of messaging points that are going to reach each one of them a little more impactfully. I really like that because I think when we think about influencer marketing, it's like, oh, it's only consumers. And what you're saying is like, no, it's consumers, it's contractors. Are you also seeing that there's like opportunity for architects and builders as well in the world that you live in, Ben? Yes. So here's like the flow, right? So smart home stuff is really big right now. That's probably one of our biggest categories because they are having a challenge of not just selling the product, they have to explain what the product is. It's, a, it's totally new categories. If you think about what would be a typical flow is a consumer sees something cool, like a demo, right? <laughs> and they bring it to their contractor and they're like, can we do this? And the contractor will say yes or no, depending on whether or not they do it. If the consumer really insists on it, then the contractor types into YouTube. I've seen my contractors do this. Go right to YouTube. How do I install this, right? So there's an opportunity for companies by having really good install videos and not ones where they go, hi, here's the product. Check it out. Let's have it spin around on a lazy Susan and show it from all angles. And while we tell you how awesome, no, get right to the point. You know, that person's probably on their cell phone in the field. Get right to the point of explain. Here's how you install it. And it just goes. That's how you sort of win over the contractor. So he doesn't push back and being like, uh, I don't really think that's compatible. Because contractors do that all the time. It's not really they, that they, they lie, but they sort of like, they're the expertise. They command that expertise. If you ask them to do something that's outside of it, that they're not instantly comfortable or they don't feel like there's good informational support behind them, they're going to push back to the consumer that actually wanted your product in the first place. So winning at that sort of information level is really important. And I think that's a great way to use contractors as influencers, even if they don't have a big audience. So a great example of this, if anyone's out there in the building material and you want to find an awesome influencer, look on Instagram for R&R Builders. This guy is like, he does these like big kind of like pole barn structures and his audience is all other contractors. So when he does a tool review for like whatever sort of Milwaukee tool that cuts like sheet metal really 
effective. And he talks specifically about why he wants it. Even though his audience isn't in the millions, I guarantee you he's moving thousands and thousands of these pretty high-end power tools, right? He does great videos. He's got his drones. He's got everything else. But what's most important is he explains why he likes something and why it's effective. And again, creating that sort of informational reasons that make a contractor feel comfortable knowing that they're going to have their questions answered without even talking to anyone or calling a number or anything else is going to help them not push back against the consumer. And because all these guys, and they all like doing the same thing over and over again. It's reducing the variables. It's speeding up their time. It's giving them less headaches. So if you especially want to make them use your product for the first time, when they search how to install it, have really clear, fast-paced information that just gets right to the basics. That's really good. I'm like taking notes over here. I know, I'm too. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben, if I'm a manufacturer and I'm listening to this podcast, I'm going, oh my gosh, okay, I need, if I haven't done any kind of influencer marketing, I needed to get on this bandwagon. And I think that what you're saying is that might not be the case. Can you give us some criteria for somebody who's considering doing or working with someone like yourself, what are the things they need to be considering before they reach out? And how do they find the right people to work with? Well, the first would be if you're a regional company that has like a climate-specific product, you don't need national figures. In fact, that would be a waste of money because you're going to pay national rates for people that aren't. The content is valuable in addition to the audience. So when people sometimes say, oh, that's it's kind of expensive because I was just thinking I could just boost you know these posts. I'm like, well we're actually going to allow you, and a lot of influencers don't do this, is that we're actually going to let you, we're going to give you the rights to the images and the videos too, so you can use on your own channel, you can turn them into Facebook ads, you can use that content, because if you were to produce that content yourself and hire photographers and videographers, you'd spend a lot of money. So it's understanding all the value you're getting is the first place to start. And if you think you're just buying audience, you're going to probably underbid and not get very good people realize that you're actually commissioning production. And production is actually the expensive part that's hard to avoid paying for. So it's understanding all the value so that you get the most out of it. And that's getting the content itself in addition to the audience reach. It's finding people that actually would use your products organically and that have expertise around them rather than just transactional. It's why I think like the HGTV personalities are kind of worthless unless it's like a direct consumer good, like a paint color or like a furniture line or a specific countertop kind of thing. Tell me what you really think, Ben. I mean, we get approached by those sort of uh, things all the time. And there's sort of this perception that they're, that they're incredibly popular. They're not. The average HGTV show doesn't actually do that many views when you look at it. And my estimation is that the, a lot of the commercials on HGTV that run on those things actually cost more to produce than the show itself. And all you're really getting from watching that show is just before and after and style guides. But people aren't going to make their decisions from seeing that. They're going to make it from Pinterest. They might see something like that, but then they're going to search it down on, uh, on Pinterest and sort of create that board that puts it all together. So I would say if you're a product company, the first thing you want to do is be honest about your product. And is it something that consumers care about or not? If you're insulation or something HVAC, they don't care about what it looks like. No one's going to look at a one-page magazine ad of insulation and be like, that's it. There'll be some people that are really interested in building performance, 
and they'll want to hear like the logic about how it works. And that's like fantastic information marketing that you can create. But be honest about your product. Know whether or not it's a really an interesting thing or just something that people need to fill out in the boxes and then build around that. When people sort of delude themselves into thinking their products are something that they aren't, that's where they spend money in not too wise of a ways. So I, I can give sort of an example of sort of some ideas for different categories that I think could be cool. Yeah, please. Absolutely. That's cool. Okay, so if you're a company like say that makes a unique building product like structural insulated panels, SIPs, or like ICF blocks for insulated concrete forms, that's really novel, right? Because it's different construction. People love different construction. That's why consumers will go to their contractor and be like, I want to build a hay bale house. And the contractor says, it's a terrible idea. Your house is going to have like rats living all in the walls. But there's something, the idea about a differently built house intrigues people. That's why people like rammed earth or these, these different things where people love clicking on videos about 3D printed homes. So if you're one of those companies, you know you're going to have a little bit of a novelty factor. But again, it's going to be like when they go to the contractor and the contractor is used to building typical stick framed houses, they're going to say, no, this will cost more because I don't know how to do it as efficiently as I know how to do this. So if you create, though, your own house plan, right, and you say, ah, this is for, let's say we're targeting like California because they passed these new accessory dwelling unit kind of uh, regulations. So we're going to create a kit and a little plan. So I would say you don't even need to work with an influencer that's famous. Just work with someone you know that has a design or architecture background that can actually design a very cute little like three to four hundred square foot accessory dwelling unit. The little uh, you know granny corners in the backyard could be this little home office that's in the backyard. Create the whole package of content around that. Create a plan that has your sort of structural insulated panels as the as the star that makes this happen with predictable sort of cost for the materials. Then you just put that up. You create a really nice web page for it. It could be a standalone. It could be part of your site. Create a really nice page that says free plans for accessory dwelling units that are appropriate for California, right? People that are searching for those things will find that page. And especially if it says free plans. Then if you actually deliver on that and provide content that they would otherwise have to pay for, they're going to be already like thinking that you guys are great. And what you're doing there is that you're also saving them a ton of money because if they had to hire an architect individually to do that, one, that architect might not spec it around your sort of plans, but they would have to pay a few thousand dollars to have someone draft up those things. That's like a great example of how you don't need to hire someone famous. Hire someone that has the expertise and then make it available and bring in that sort of search. If you're a company that makes, let's say, stone veneer, I'm seeing in your background this lovely stone veneer on the walls. You know, it might be doing like a fire pit project or showing like a DIY video. That might be the person where you do hire an influencer that has an audience to do how to transform your fireplace or do like a modern upgrade to it. That's where the sort of visual content might make a little bit more sense. And you might want someone that has a, a good sized audience, but then creates a really dynamic video that's instructive, particularly how to sort of remove the old stone apply the sort of thin set or the whatever sort of adhesive you're using cool pattern ideas for doing this so it doesn't look like everyone else's so it's really just thinking like the audience and being like okay is my product visual like a stone veneer or is it technical and then picking an appropriate path for those characteristics you know the other thing you said there ben i think it's important is when you're talking about creating this content we use that term loosely it's content you know, to inform or educate about your product or particular project, 
What you're saying is that you can't just rely on one method to get eyeballs and views on it. Like you're talking about repurposing that. And that's something we try to do all the time is like how much juice can you squeeze from that piece of content? So whether you're boosting it on Instagram or Facebook or you're making sure it's built for SEO or even on YouTube, you're trying to get as much traction out of that as possible. Correct. And one of our most popular projects that we've ever done is the spiral staircase. So what we did was a DIY spiral staircase made out of plywood. And it's probably been viewed about 50 to 100 million times. Now, unfortunately for our AdSense and those things, probably only about 2 million of those views are on our channels. right? So a lot of them are the views came from our Instagram, a lot of the views came from our YouTube. But what we allowed to do is something different than what a lot of influencers do, is we syndicate the content. So we know that this project in particular is very visually arresting. I mean, spiral staircases in general sort of catch somebody's eye. So if you see a time-lapse video of this spiral staircase just emerging out of nothing, people like watching it even if they have no other interest in design or construction or anything else. So we gave that to a lot of these Facebook media companies that just sort of republish content like the Business Insider, Five Minute Crafts, even like Bored Panda and these more like pop culture ones thought it was cool enough to sort of repost. So at the end of the day, it's done about 50 to 100 million views, which is fantastic. But that doesn't mean we sold a lot of plywood or CNC machines. We certainly created a lot of awareness for those things. But, you know, of those, the bigger those numbers get, the way less valuable per view they are. And when we talked to the CNC company, we definitely sold a lot of units for them, and they're like $1,500 a machine, so that's fantastic. But those largely came through much smaller things, like a design blog, or like Make Magazine doing an article on it, or Popular Science reposting it, or stuff like that. So the sort of lesson from that is big numbers are awesome, and they're not always easy to get, so they definitely should be a cause for celebration. But it doesn't mean you're moving the needle financially. It just means you've created another way, another reason people want to watch it other than to get information to buy. The things I think that are sort of really interesting, effective, aren't just big numbers. But in order for me to actually focus on the right type of content, I need to have, and and this is where it gets really hard depending on how many layers of personnel there are at the company I'm working with. If I'm talking to you know a small company where I'm talking to the CEO and coming up with a marketing plan, he's going to be intensely uh, attuned to ROI. If I'm talking to a junior marketing person that is then just reporting up to their boss, which is then reporting up to the COO, they might care more about numbers because that's what's going to make them get their promotion more than they do care about ROI. And so that's the sort of trick is if you're at the top of the food chain making decisions, make sure your employees or make sure you're not just pushing your employees to produce big marketing numbers, but actually produce effective sort of sales numbers. And if you're at that sort of middle and you know that there's a really effective way to do it, but it won't produce big numbers, try to really think about how you can measure and show those things. So you're not just doing flash and trash, getting big numbers, but not actually producing sales from it. Ben, this was awesome. You've given such incredible information. I just want to, if I could package it all up, because I think you're bringing such an important perspective to something that is like a really hot buzzword, like influencer marketing. And you are bringing this perspective of what we should be doing for all of our marketing efforts, which is don't buy into the get rich quick scheme. 
There are so many marketing tactics that are like, if you just do this one thing, you'll get 7 million views on your Facebook ads. And part of what you're saying is that doesn't really matter. You probably could do that. doesn't mean you sold 7 million units. But what you're talking about is really focusing on what's the quality? Is it a fit? What's the strategy? Does this influencer that you're engaging, do they really know your audience? Is it going to feel organic? All of those things matter and not just getting caught up in the huge social volume, mistaking reach for numbers, mistaking reach for sales or leads or awareness and leads we know are not the same thing. And is that person's audience even really relevant to your product? I mean, you've just said so many important things. And I think it's such an important perspective to bring to something like building materials because influencer marketing could be a great fit. But for so many building materials, the sales cycle is a lot longer than just those quick B2C companies that influencer marketing could work a little bit better for them. But like, what is the real reason and drive behind why you're doing it? and making sure that you've got all of those boxes checked before you just jump on the bandwagon and then ultimately are disappointed and losing out on this great opportunity just because you approached it incorrectly. Right. It all comes from being honest and really knowing your product. Here's something that we get a lot of consumers asking about. is like plugs with USB ports, right? Everyone needs more USB ports to, to charge all these devices. So that's a product where you want big numbers. So that's where you want a really popular DIY video on Instagram. Literally, it starts with somebody at the big box retailer saying, here's the aisle where you buy this thing. And in one minute, in a one minute video, you could show how to buy it, take out the old one, you know, flip the circuit breakers to turn it off so you don't get electrocuted, switch out that one and do that, right? And that's something, if you just had the, the thumbnail for that Instagram video titled, how to change your plugs to USB plugs, a lot of people will click on that because everybody needs a USB plug, right? Right. If you're a roofing company, it's not the same. <laughs> you know, that's something when we were doing house plans and architectural projects, when we surveyed our customers, we found that the average one was planning their new home project for like five to six years. So that's really about a slow slow process of like it's like being a boa constrictor you're just tightening around them and providing more and more information and just making them feel more comfortable and answering all their questions about ice damming and installation and longevity and color selection and is it going to look great with these and it's just slowly being more and more convincing no one video that gets a million views is going to be the single sort of differentiator that's great that's really good well, Ben, this has been awesome. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, and thank you so much. Looking forward to having you on in the future. If someone wants to get in contact with you or they want to follow you on social media, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? If you want to see the videos in action, look at the YouTube channel, Homemade Modern. If you want to see what I'm currently working on or talk to me directly, Instagram's actually the, the best way to do it is just send me a DM. And if I don't answer it, just hit me up in a comment and uh, one of my people will normally see that and, and make sure that I answer it. If you want to see the full projects that we produce, YouTube. If you want to talk to me directly, Instagram. Awesome. Well, if you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikolov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikolov. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit benvio.com forward slash podcast.